1: Welcome back to the Breakdown with me, NLW. It's a daily podcast on macro, Bitcoin, and the big picture power shifts remaking our world. The Breakdown is sponsored by Nexo.io, Near, and FTX, and produced and distributed by CoinDesk. What's going on, guys? It is Sunday, May fifteenth, and that means it's time for Long Reads Sunday. Now, as you might imagine, this week has been a pretty juicy one on Twitter. Because of that, I thought it would be good to just round out this stablecoin week with a few threads that I thought were really useful or particularly educational in the wake of all of this. I promise we will start talking about other things again soon. But for this week, we are talking stablecoins still. Before we get into that, however, if you are enjoying The Breakdown, please go subscribe to it, give it a rating, give it a review, or if you want to dig deeper into the conversation, come join us on The Breakers' Discord. You can find a link in the show notes or go to bit.ly slash breakdownpod. Also a disclosure as always, in addition to them being a sponsor of the show, I also work with FTX. Alright, so our first thread comes from Spencer Noon, the co-founder of Variant Fund. And it's really just an educational 101 style fund. And I'm reading this because I believe that some number of you may not fully have had the time to get into what stablecoins are, how they work, and how to frame UST and Luna in that context. Spencer says First, what are stablecoins? A stablecoin is a crypto asset whose price is pegged to the reference price of a reserve asset. The most popular reserve asset for stablecoins is one US dollar. Stablecoins have a combined market cap of more than 170 billion. A look at the market prices of the top 10 stablecoins on CoinGecko, and we can see that not all of them are functioning properly. Why is that the case? To understand why, we need to understand how stablecoins work. The best framework I've seen was published by a team of DeFi researchers in 2020. I'm going to break down the major concepts here so you don't have to read it. There are two major classes of stablecoins. Custodial, entrusted by off-chain collateral assets like fiat dollars that sit in a bank, requires trust in a third party. Non custodial, aka decentralized, fully on chain and backed by smart contracts and economics, no trusted parties. In custodial stablecoins, custodians hold a combination of assets, currencies, bonds, commodities, etc., off chain, allowing issuers, possibly the same entity, to offer digital tokens of a reserve asset. The top two custodial stablecoins today are USDT and USDC. There are three types of custodial stablecoins. Number one, Reserve Fund, 100% Reserve Ratio. Each stablecoin is backed by a unit of the reserve asset held by the custodian. Number two, fractional reserve fund. The stablecoin is backed by a mix of both reserve assets and other capital assets. And finally, number three, central bank digital currency. A digital form of central bank money that is widely available to the general public. CBDCs are in their nascency as today only nine countries and territories have launched them, many of them small. Custodial stablecoins have three major risks. Counterparty risk, fraud, theft, government seizure, etc. Censorship risk. Operations blocked by regulators, etc. Economic risk. Off-chain assets go down in value. Each can result in the stablecoin value going to zero. Next, non-custodial stablecoins aim to operate without the societal institutions that custodial stablecoins rely on. They achieve this by creating an economic structure on blockchains enforced via smart contracts. TLDR, economic structure plus rational actors equals price stability. There are three types of non-custodial or decentralized stablecoins. Number one, exogenous collateral. The stablecoin is backed by assets that have uses outside the stablecoin system. The most prominent stablecoin in this category is DAI, which is backed by a number of crypto assets like ETH. Number two, endogenous collateral, an asset created with the purpose of being collateral for the stablecoin. Examples include Synthetix, whose token SNX collateralizes its SUSD stablecoin. Number three, implicit collateral, aka algorithmic stablecoins without explicit collateral that instead use market mechanisms to adjust supply to stabilize price. UST is the most prominent algo stable. Non-custodial stablecoins have five major risks. Collateral, value less than issuance. Data feed, system can't price itself. Governance, parameter failure. Base layer, chain fails. Smart contract, hack leads to insolvency. Each can result in the stablecoin value going to zero. Algo stablecoins like UST are especially susceptible to collateral risk because they are not explicitly backed by collateral. When there is a crisis in confidence such as the overall crypto markets going down, it can lead to a bank run or death spiral. This is when an algo stable's fractional liquid reserve is depleted by redemptions, causing its system to default and remaining liquid assets needing to be sold at a discount. This in turn depletes the system's overall equity resulting in a spiral that is hard to overcome. Algorithmic stablecoins are a brand new type of asset. And while most attempts to date have failed, not all of them have. It remains to be seen whether they are viable long term at scale. However, many people in the crypto industry are optimistic. I thought this was a super useful, just 101 style thread. It's more sophisticated and more clearly put than many explanations of the different categories of stablecoins that I've seen. The only thing I wanted to add isn't actually something that I wanted to add, but since Spencer left on this note, that many are optimistic that algorithmic stablecoins will actually work, I think for the sake of completeness, it's worth pointing out that it feels like many fewer people might feel that way this week. The best quote that I saw that sums up this point of view comes from Nick Carter. He said, I saw someone today compare it to the history of flight as if it's just a matter of time until it works. The analogy should instead be flapping your arms and thinking you'll eventually fly. Looking for ways to step up your crypto game?
2: Then go with Nexo. For starters, you get free crypto for each purchase or swap. How about earning guaranteed yields? Up to 17% paid out daily. Ideal for you hardcore hodlers. You don't even need to sell. Instead, borrow instant cash against your assets. Get the most out of your crypto with Nexo at nexo.io. That's N E X O.io. This episode is brought to you by NIR, a climate-neutral, high-speed, and low-transaction-fee layer-one blockchain platform. Near is a blockchain for a world reimagined. Through simple, secure, and scalable technology, Near empowers millions to invent and explore new experiences. Business, creativity, and community are being reimagined for a more sustainable and inclusive future. Reimagine your world today at near.org. Download the FTX app today and use referral
1: code BREAKDOWN to support the show. For our second thread, we're still going to look at stablecoins and UST, but more specifically, we're going to look at the regulatory context coming out of this. For that, we turn to the inimitable Jake Chervinsky, the head of policy at the Blockchain Association. He writes, There's no sugarcoating it. This is among the most painful weeks in crypto history, And one will reckon with for a long time to come. Some thoughts for policymakers as they consider the path forward for stablecoin regulation. First, a quick summary of what happened. Terra USD, or UST, was a stablecoin on the Terra blockchain. It aimed to hold a peg to the US dollar, a stable value of $1 per UST. Unlike most stablecoins, UST was purely algorithmic, meaning it didn't use any collateral to hold its peg. Instead of collateral, it used an algorithmic mechanism designed to stabilize UST's price at $1 by incentivizing market forces of supply and demand. It sought to let users redeem one UST for $1 of Terra's native token, Luna, no matter the price of UST on the secondary market. Similarly, it sought to let users redeem $1 of Luna for one UST regardless of UST's market price. For example, if UST traded at $0.98, arbitragers could redeem it for $1 of Luna, earning $0.02 and pushing up UST's price by reducing its supply. Same in reverse if UST traded above $1. This mechanism failed. UST lost its peg, triggering a death spiral that caused both UST and Luna to lose all their value. Luna went from $80 two weeks ago to $0 today. I'll skip the details of exactly how and why it failed. UST's collapse wrought havoc in the crypto markets, resulting in billions of dollars in lost value. The question everyone's asking in DC now is what should policymakers do? To answer, we first have to step back and consider the stablecoin space as a whole and where UST fits in. Stablecoins are a vital innovation with massive promise for advancing US interests at home and abroad. To strengthen global dollar dominance, promoting stablecoins should be a top national priority not to mention the benefits for inclusion, efficiency, competitiveness, and more. In general, there are two types of stablecoins, custodial and decentralized. Custodial stablecoins are issued by a central administrator and backed by collateral held in a bank or other institution. These are usually fully collateralized $1 in assets for every $1 of stablecoin. Custodial stablecoins represent the vast majority of total stablecoin volume and are very stable and reliable, provided the issuer is trustworthy and transparent. The industry standard is Circle and it's widely adopted in regulated stablecoin USDC there are other solid ones too. But not all custodial stablecoins are created equal. They're only as good as their issuer, and not all issuers are so trustworthy and transparent. One of the main goals of blockchain technology is to disintermediate untrustworthy third parties. Enter decentralized stablecoins. Decentralized stablecoins consist of autonomous self-executing protocols running on public blockchains that seek to produce a dollar-peg token without relying on a trusted third party. The best-known example is the Ethereum-based MakerDAO protocol and its DAI stablecoin. Stablecoins like DAI are collateralized by other assets like ETH, but instead of being held by a custodial issuer, assets are held in a non-custodial smart contract on the blockchain. Since those assets are volatile, over-collateralization is required to maintain stability. The result is a decentralized and stable asset at the cost of capital efficiency. More than $1 in assets for every $1 in stablecoin. This finally brings us to UST. It tried to be everything at once. Decentralized, stable, and perfectly efficient, using no collateral at all. UST was in a category of its own, relying solely on its algorithmic mechanism, a risky model that many predicted might fail. That's far different from the many collateralized stablecoins custodial and decentralized, which all performed well during this week's high volatility. Which brings us back to the question, what should policymakers do? First and foremost, they should fully understand these assets before making any decisions. Last November, the president's working group stablecoin report was a great start, but didn't address decentralized or algorithmic assets. Two months ago, President Biden issued an executive order identifying crypto's opportunities and risks, assigning responsibility for analyzing them and calling for written reports. That work is ongoing and will be critical to inform next steps in Congress and across the administration. I fully agree with Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen's testimony in Congress about this yesterday. She said we need a regulatory framework to guard against the risks, but that stablecoins aren't at, quote, the scale right now where they're a financial stability concern. She supported the EO process, saying that reports that Treasury and FSOC are writing in response to the EO, quote, will address the risks that these assets pose. And she reiterated the PWG report's recommendation that Congress, quote, produce a comprehensive framework, importantly through a bipartisan effort. So what should policymakers do about stablecoins? Follow the process called for by the EO, develop a bipartisan consensus in Congress, adopt new regulations that are fit for purpose. This is how we maximize the benefits and minimize the risks of responsible innovation. Stablecoins present too big an opportunity for us to risk getting them wrong as a matter of policy. We are locked in a global competition to be the home of Web3. The data suggests we're behind. It's time for deep strategic thought and deliberate action. Back to NLW here, just to do a quick wrap up. First of all, thanks both to Spencer and to Jake for these great threads. I think the real question when it comes to policymakers is who's going to be willing to put in the time, put aside their priors to actually see these differences and distinctions that they're trying to draw. The hopeful thing is that there are some pretty common-sense agreements around how to regulate custodial stablecoins. Put it this way, I don't know anyone in this industry who wouldn't like more rather than less information about where the reserve assets of the big custodial stablecoins are held, in what instruments, how much, all of that stuff. Transparency has been increasing as a matter of course, but full attestations of reserve backing seem obvious as a part of any stablecoin legislation. Where it gets much thornier is with this whole different category. Call me an optimist, but I actually do think Congress and other elected officials, when they dig into this, are going to find that these distinctions aren't that hard to draw, even if figuring out the right rules for different categories might be a little bit more difficult. I think that that's only the case because there has been so much work done over the last year especially, in terms of educating the policymakers in Washington about this whole space. But as Jeremy Allaire put it on Friday's show, Ready or not, here it comes. This has moved from urgent to urgent, urgent. For now, I want to say thanks again to my sponsors, Nexo.io, Nier, and FTX. And thanks to you guys for listening. Until tomorrow, be safe and take care of each other. Peace. Hey, Breakdown listeners, come join Coindesk's Consensus 2022, the festival for the decentralized world this June 9th through the 12th in Austin, Texas.